Crystal Deal With It focuses on bridging the gap between where you're at now and where you'd like to be. We'll explore wisdom and techniques from a wide variety of domains and industries and apply them to your unique challenges. I love developing frameworks, processes, and storytelling metaphors that enable personal and business growth. Through actionable next steps, we'll build momentum and confidence. My goal is to help you clear roadblocks, do more with what you have, and realize the potential of yourself and your team. So throw your challenges my way and Chris will deal with it. Hey, everybody. I'm going to end 2022 with a reading review. It's been a heck of a year of reading. So on today's episode, I'm going to recap what I read this year in case anything piques your interest for your 2023 reading. You're going to want to check the show notes on this one for images and links to all the titles mentioned in the show. So first, I'll start with some stats, and this is courtesy of the Storygraph, which is a great alternative to Goodreads. I actually keep both that uh, Goodreads and the Storygraph going, uh, mainly because the author profiles in both platforms. So you can follow me on either one of those platforms and, and be up to date with what I'm doing in 2023. My goal for this year uh, was 40 books. I fell far short of that with 30, but some of those books were rather long, so I give myself a bit of credit on that one. I did have a goal of 10,000 pages, so I fell short there. I only about 8,700. So podcasts took up a lot of my audiobook time, and that's a big reason why. I did have a 50-50 split between fiction and nonfiction. For nonfiction, I was way more diligent in detail of my notes. So again, a big shout out to Notion, which I use to store my notes for each one of the books. And you've seen different snippets throughout my newsletters and some of my other episodes. I've been quoting some of these books. I had a really even split in pace, fast, medium, slow. Interesting this year, one third of my books were audiobooks and two thirds were print. Uh, usually that's 50 50 or even more audiobook than print. And I, a lot of it has to do with the amount of podcasts that I listen to, mainly to help inform what I was doing with Crystal Deal With It. So I give myself a definite pass for the year, but my goals for 2023 are going to remain the same as they were for this past year. And I'm confident I'm going to hit that and probably exceed it as long as I remain wary of letting podcasts dominate my listening time. So I'm going to have a much more of a focus in the new year on staying clear on what my reading goals are so I can, I can hit that and get more variety next year. So I have these all broken down into fun categories. Let's start with the hockey books. So I started the year with four quick kids books. Uh, they're really made for the same target audience as my Rainy River Bees books. These are called the Screech Owls books, and there's many, many, many of these. Uh, they're all written by uh, Roy McGregor, a famous Canadian author. So the first one starts with Mystery at Lake Placid, then The Night They Stole the Stanley Cup, The Screech Owls' Northern Adventure, and Murder at Hockey Camp. I enjoyed these immensely. Uh, I, just, I picked up a book that had the first four in it. If I ever see books five through eight, I'll probably pick them up and give them a read. But So let's move on to the Kim Stanley Robinson novel. So KSR is one of my favorite science fiction authors. His book, The Ministry for the Future, hit uh, even Obama's list last year. So he's one of the most prolific science fiction authors alive right now. I started the year with the third book in his Three Californias triptych, Pacific Edge. I love this trilogy so much. Uh, this one didn't disappoint. It based, the, the triptych follows three different stories in three different versions of a future California. I highly recommend them. But I also had a lot of recommendations to go back and read his most famous trilogy, which were the Mars books. So I did start by reading Red Mars, book one, and Green Mars, book two, both in audio format, which were fantastic. They were just very long. I think book two, uh, Green Mars, is probably one of the longest books I've ever read. So I will finish the series with Blue Mars in early 2023. But I don't love them as much as the Three Californias books. And that's, I think, personal preference with KSR. 
Let's uh, skip over to nonfiction here. So I have what I'm calling the mindset shifting books. So these three were very influential to, I guess I shifting my mindset. Daniel Pink's The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. A really powerful book stemming from a large survey that he did about how our regrets can help us grow. A great quote here from his book, Anticipating our regrets can lead to healthier behavior, smarter professional choices, and greater happiness. And he goes into a lot of the popular science and the feedback from his survey into how people implement those sort of changes based on the power of regret. Then it was Information Doesn't Want to be Free, Laws for the Internet Age. This is a book by Cory Doctorow and includes some forwards from Neil Gaiman and Amanda Palmer. This was a book I found at a random library sale, but it was really prescient for me on what's been happening with digital media in general and how people have less of a desire to pay for the art that they consume. But here's a great quote from the book that really stuck with me. If you want to make stuff to try and earn a living from it, rather than shaking your fist and telling the internet to get off your lawn, then this is the book for you which is exactly me to a T. So I was sold from that line forward. And it's a book that I need to come back to in terms of how I market myself and my creative work going forward. Lastly, in this category is the Stoic Philosophy of Seneca, Essays and Letters from Lucius Seneca. Uh, this was the translation from Moses Hadass. I've really done quite a bit of reading on the Stoics over the years. And Seneca is somebody that I kept seeing quotes from or other people quoting to get into more of his essays and letters was a heavier read. It's very dense in terms of the amount of content. It's one that I still need to grapple with some more, but gave me a much solid grounding in Stoicism. A great quote from this book, The Stoic achieves his freedom not by rejecting the divine, but by identifying himself with it. This is the source of his patience under suffering. I won't get into a long diatribe about Stoicism, but I think this is one of the cornerstone books on it to help me really wrap my head around how to apply it into our daily lives. So speaking of improving our daily lives, I did read three books specific on skill improvement. The first one is more of a management book called The Six Types of Working Genius by Patrick Lencioni. Um, I've been quoting him a bit or referring to his uh, one of his podcasts through my newsletter. He's an interesting guy. This book, I had a mi very mixed emotions of it. It basically starts with uh, a fable that explains how he developed the system, but then the last maybe third of the book is all that really matters, and it talks about the system. I didn't like the fact that he tries to then get you to go take a quiz online for another $25 to tell you what your working geniuses are when they become pretty apparent when you go through the fable and the, the later explanation of the system. But a good quote here. The most important activity in any organization is going to be transformed when the people who are participating in it know and understand their working geniuses and frustrations. This is something I've actually been battling with with my day job, as well as some of the creative work that I'm doing. So I really enjoyed the system and the framework, just not how they go about doing it. I reread a, a classic from Derek Sivers, one of my favorite writers, Anything You Want. Uh, this is a, the subtitle of this book here is 40 Lessons for a New Kind of Entrepreneur. Uh, Derek's work is always very impactful for me. How I go about running Croyder Studios is something that I'm going to be taking a strong look at in 2023. So a quote from the book that I really love, pay close attention to what excites you and what drains you. Pay close attention to when you're being the real you and when you're trying to impress an invisible jury. These are the kind of quotes that really help me not only justify some of the decisions that I make with my marketing and promoting my business, namely 
getting off social media almost entirely, but also how to be the real me. It gives you a lot of, uh, of insight into doing things in a way that's true to yourself. The third book in this category, Never Say You Can't Survive by Charlie Jane Anders. Uh, the subtitle here is How to Get Through Hard Times by Making Up Stories. Uh, in her own words, writing can be an act of self-preservation. That creativity gives us heart and purpose and clarity and the ability to keep going. You can heal yourself just by making up your own fables. This is a really great writing book. It gets into the nuts and bolts of how to tell stories in a way that's true to yourself. It's also coming from one of the best speculative fiction writers. Her insight is very well respected, but also in a way where it gives permission to writers to experiment, to, fi to find their voice, how to find their voice. It goes to a level of depth on the emotional side of writing and creating stories that it's not just a technique book. It also really delves in the topics of gender identity, uh, writing for writing for the BIPOC population, if you're not part of those communities. Um, there's a few references that she gives that I need to follow up on. It'll be part of my 2023 writing to continue to improve in this vital area. Highly recommend this for any writers or creative types out there. I've got four books in a category I'm calling the historical context books. The first book here was The Wizard and the Prophet, Two Remarkable Scientists and Their Dueling Visions to Shape Tomorrow's World. This was written by Charles C. Mann. So this book talks about two little-known 20th century scientists, Norman Borlaug and William Voigt, and they had very opposing views that shaped their ideas about the environment, really laid a ton of groundwork for how people in this century are going to choose to live tomorrow. It really talks about wizards and prophets and keeps referring to these. Wizards are those that think that science is going to solve all of the problems given enough time and opportunity. Whereas the prophets, they're really adherents of William Voigt. And he was an environmentalist that said, if we keep using more than the planet can give us, we are going to ruin ourselves. So we need to cut back. We, we need to get back to nature. Where again, and how these two scientists who did interact through it. So there's a lot of his history on, on how they came to their ideas, how they interacted, how their ideas interacted both before their lives, during their lives, and long after. A very fascinating book. Uh, really gave me a lot of historical context for where we, how we got to where we are now and how different people may see the future. For a, a more lighter read, I read How to Take Over the World by Ryan North. Practical Schemes and Scientific Solutions for the Aspiring Supervillain. Again, this is a very humorous book, but it's under the premise of how to take over the world. This is really a takeoff of his previous book that I loved, How to Invent Everything. This book really picks up where that one left off in terms of um, what if you wanted to get a message to last as far into the future as possible? And it really goes into the science technology of how you would go about doing that. The blending of actual scientific facts some historical information with the humor is just fantastic. I love this book so much and everything Ryan North writes basically. And then I, I had another interesting book here that I was reading actually alongside The Wizard and the Prophet, which was The One Straw Revolution, An Introduction to Natural Farming by Masanobu Fukuoka. No. This book is very much a manifesto. So it's about the limits of human knowledge um, when it comes to farming and how industrial agriculture uh, the whole business of agriculture has really undermined a lot of the methods that could be obvious if we spent more time actually living with the earth. If we had more balance with the natural world, we could be way more prolific with how we produce food and how we consume food. 
it talks about the damage that we can do to the environment with pesticides and some of the modern agricultural processes that really leach the soil of nutrients. It does get into some pretty high depth, but it does have a spiritual uh, or philosophical element to it that I really liked. So if you put in the parlance of the previous book that I mentioned, I think Masanobu Fukuoka was very much a prophet saying we need to put less burden on the planet, but we could also get more if we did it. And there, there continues to be a lot of development on this side of things, but this was a really good primer for me, and it's a topic I'd like to explore more in the future. A quote from this book that I really loved. Extravagance of desire is the fundamental cause which has led the world into its present predicament. Fast rather than slow, more rather than less. Just it gives you a glimpse into his mindset. Lastly, in this category was just an awesome book called River of the Gods, Genius, Courage, and Betrayal in the Search for the Source of the Nile by Candice Millard. I heard about this book through a podcast interview she gave. I'm a big fan of a very old school 70s game called Source of the Nile, which is a one of the old bookshelf games. It's a kind of a cult classic between my friend group where you all have to go to discover the source of the Nile in 19th century Africa. And it, a lot of a lot of that game actually stems from the stories of the people portrayed in this book. So this gave so much more historical context. So it gets in this story of Richard Burton and John Hanning Speck. Uh, the Royal Geographical Society in England was all about going and getting more knowledge about the interior of Africa. Again, there's a lot of talk about colonialism, the damage that was being done. But there's actually a third person that's talked about in this book, Sidi Mubarak Bombay. And his exploits are just extraordinary. He actually becomes the star of the show as you read into the, the history here. Just, he was the guy they hired in Africa, prolific prowess with languages. I and mean, he really is the one that made a lot of the discoveries happen. This is just a fantastic story of courage, adventure, does get into a lot of the exploitation of Africa by colonial powers. So if you're into that sort of historical book, I would definitely check this one out. All right, let's get into the sci-fi adventure books, of which there are plenty this year. So I read both books in Charlie Jane Anders' Unstoppable series. Both audiobooks uh, were narrated by uh, Hayden Walsh, who did a fantastic job. The first book is Victories Greater Than Death, followed by Dreams Bigger Than Heartbreak. These are very much about found family, um, epic space opera. I, I don't want to ruin this one, so I won't get too much into the plot, but these are classified as young adults. They're fantastic. And the third book is coming out this year or next year. I have the Kaiju Preservation Society from John Scalzi. So this is, in his own words, this is a pop song, not a symphony. Very much a fun romp. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's very, it's got kaiju monsters and fighting and pol- you know, political things, and it's... So much fun. I really enjoyed it. I read The Cool War from Frederick Pohls. This is a book from 1981. Frederick Pohls, one of my favorite sci-fi writers, and I actually learned through the back of this book that he spent the majority of his career living in the town I live in now. So, But, but this, one from, this book is over 40 years old, and it talks about a future where there's not outright conflict, but countries go out of their way to trip each other up. He gets enlisted as this agent to this underground group that they have to go and spread diseases through other countries. Sabotage just replaces actual combat. And they go around the world and, and people are coming to America and shipping us up. We're going over there and shipping them up. It's so bizarre. It's deeply ironic. It's got some humor to it. And it's funny because it, when he wrote it, he put it 40 years in the future which is right now, and the world that he describes is eerily similar to the one we're living in now. You can't help but read it in the context of where we ended up, and he might have been right. (laughs) 
I think the timeliness of me reading this was what made it fun. Um, it definitely has some parts I didn't love. You know, if you kind of feel like the state of the world is just a general sense of malaise and you like science fiction, I actually would recommend this one just because of the, the fact that he wrote it for just the period we're talking about now. And a lot of it, the action does take place right around my area of New Jersey, which was a nice added bonus for me. The last book I finished this year, I actually just finished it earlier today, The Past is Red by Catherine uh, Valenti. Uh, this is my first book from her, uh, or novella. I enjoyed it. It uh, really talks about a future where the only livable place on Earth is Garbage Town. It's a big floating patch of garbage in the ocean, and the rest of the world is an ocean. It starts with a short story that set up the world, um, so it's all contained in this book. I also read Clade by James Bradley. So it's about a near future where there's an apocalyptic storm. Uh, there's growing civil unrest. There's also a pandemic that's going on. So again, it's it's very prescient. Um, this book was originally published in 2015, so before everything we've been living in the last few years. So I actually had, had it on my shelf for a while, just not being in the mood through the whole COVID pandemic. But I enjoyed it. It was a little bit too heavy for me, but I was glad to have finally read it. I read the second Dev Harmer mission, World of Water, by James Lovegrove. Interesting ocean story, ocean science fiction story. It was a fun little romp. It just doesn't leave too much of a lasting memory. But speaking of memory, uh, I really enjoyed David Walton's new book, Living Memory. So David is a both a personal friend, but also one of my favorite writers. I really see him as the closest we have to Michael Crichton. Um, his previous books, The Genius Plague and the Superposition series and Three Laws Lethal are among some of my favorite science fiction stories for how it tackles and what could happen with certain speculative technologies. So I love the way he, uh, he merges the two. And this is his, the first of what's going to be a series uh, I love where he leaves this first book off. I'm really looking forward to the second book in the series. So if you're into dinosaurs, I would definitely check this out. This year I read two autobiographical audiobooks. The first was Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. You'll see this in a lot of stores. A lot of people talked about this one. I love when autobiographies are read by the author. Matthew McConaughey, you know, I know he's made some runs to politics. He's an actor that, you know, in the 90s and 2000s definitely grew up watching. I'm not that I idolize him. I wanted to get to know him better as a person. Because I've seen him more and more in the news and, and being more outspoken. In his own words, you know, be less impressed, more involved. You live a more present and meaningful life when you're less impressed with yourself and your accomplishments. And more involved with your relationships with other people and your community. Being less impressed and more involved enables you to live according to timeless principles, live your values, and chase your dreams. So that's a message that resonated deeply with me and uh, continue to take that with me going forward. But definitely worth a listen. I enjoyed it. Uh, speaking of self-read audiobiographies, I read uh, another book by John Hodgman, Vacation Land, True Stories from Painful Beaches. Uh, having turned 40 this year, you know, this is a humorous look at middle age uh, and a family vacation. This was just such a, such a blast of a book. What a great read. Very poignant, very sincere in parts, but with the humor to go along with it. Uh, I, just, I love everything John Hodgman writes. All right, so let's get to my top three books of the year. Number three... So fans of the show and uh, people that read my newsletter have seen this guy quoted uh, quite a few times in the past year. It's Greg McEwen's book, Effortless, Make It Easy to Do What Matters. This book uh, really about getting to an effortless state, and he defines that as an experience that many of us have had when we're physically rested, emotionally unburdened, and mentally energized. You are completely aware, alert, present, attentive, and focused on what's important in this moment. You're able to focus on what matters most with ease. 
This is a state I aspire to. I really feel I struggled with it in 2022. Despite having the advice from the book, it's one I'm going to revisit um, in really terms of getting better clarity into 2023. But again, this book has been really sticking with me. I'm a big fan of Greg McEwen's podcast as well. Let's get to book number two, A Prayer for the Crown Shy, which is the second book in the Monk and Robot series by Becky Chambers. I definitely listened to the audiobook here, which is narrated by M. Grossland. The Monk and Robot series are classified as hope punk uh, or a version of science fiction. These are very deep philosophical books, but at the same time, they're so light and heartfelt and honest. And it's not, you know, pew, pew, pew science fiction. It's, it has the depth of ideas and has very heartfelt conversations between the two main characters, uh, the monk Dex and the robot Moscap. So here's one that's slightly out of context, and it's a snippet at the heart of one of the great conversations that they have. I'm not good at something that helps other people. I worked really hard to be able to do it, and I benefited from the labor and love of others while I did so. I'm able to do what I do because everybody else built a world in which I could do it. If I just say, thanks for all that, but I'm going to run off to the woods now, how is that fair? Again, that's slightly out of context, but Becky Chambers has a style of writing that I aspire to. I love having these heartfelt conversations in the context of a fictional narrative. Uh, she just does it so beautifully, again, so heartfelt. The Monk and Robot books are among the ones I recommend the most. And I, I've actually, you, some people have seen it quoted in previous episodes and newsletters as well. And my top book of the year, Program or Be Programmed, 10 Commands for a Digital Age by Douglas Rushkoff. I can't believe this book was written in 2010. And I'm very late to this one, and Douglas Rushkoff in general. I had, again, heard a podcast where he was interviewed, immediately went to check out his stuff, and this book is just incredible. Uh, this is really a few years after the dawn of the iPhone and social media before it really got to where it is now, but these 10 commands are even more prescient now than they were back then. You know, the, the core of the book, as he writes it, we have embraced the new technologies and literacies of our age without actually learning how they work and how they work on us. I'm a big proponent of the idea that we all should have a better understanding of the systems we're working with, how they're programmed, who programs them. Having a background in programming and systems design has enabled me to understand what's going on in the background, not only to intuit systems better, but also to understand how I might be manipulated by them. And having the, that vernacular or having that awareness is something that's severely lacking in our culture generally. But Douglas Rushkoff is far more explicit in his advice. He's way more practiced in how to increase people's awareness of these systems and how they exist. So this one was a fantastic book. I am still grappling with the notes from this one. I do plan on doing an episode in the new year specifically on my book notes and takeaways from this book. So look for more information on that in 2023. All right, so those are my three books of the year, as well as everything that I read during 2022, which was a fantastic year of reading, even though I fell short of my goal. It does mean this episode's a little shorter than it could have been, but if anything strikes your fancy, leave a comment in the show notes or re you know, reach out to me. I'd love to hear what you think. And again, if you want it, you can follow me on either The Storygraph, which is app.thestorygraph.com, or on Goodreads, which is goodreads.com. So happy new year, everybody, and I'll look forward to talking to you more in 2023. If you feel that Chris dealt with it, I'd appreciate your support of the show by sharing it with someone who might benefit. Ratings on your favorite podcast player are also helpful in growing the audience. 
Visit chriscroyder.com for free downloadable PDFs with notes and resources from today's episode, sign up for the CDWI mailing list, or to send in your problems or requests for future shows. That's C-H-R-I-S-K-R-E-U-T-E-R.com or use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Chris will Deal With It.